the platform that becomes the single source of truth for your business. Um, and then you put connected apps there as tools to enhance your business. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 158 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. From now until the end of the year, we have quite a few tax and legal questions to work through from CGT and GST over property and for investments to SMSFs and trusts. But in addition to these tax and legal issues, I would like to take a step back with you and look at what we do to look at how we run our practices. Because to really grow or to use startup lingo to really scale, we need to look beyond just expertise. And it is technology that is changing the playing field. There is an explosion of technical solutions available to us, but working out which solution, which app, and how to integrate it and make it work is incredibly confusing and time-consuming and frustrating, to say the least. So to try to make this a little less so, over the next few months, I really want to look into how we can streamline workflows in our practices. So today is the first attempt to do just that. I reached out to Tim Hoopman of Spin Business Solutions in Sydney, who is very active in the app and technology space. So perfect to ask for advice. I started by asking Tim whether he still runs his bookkeeping business, Cornerstone. Hi, Heidi. Thanks. Um, thanks very much. The Cornerstone Bookkeeping was a bookkeeping practice that I was involved in for 10 years. Um, and um, I no longer um, involved in that business now. I sold that two years ago. The interesting thing about that business is it started back uh, 10, 12 years ago um, when it was paper and manual. And it was a very different world of bookkeeping. It was desktop software. Everything was manual. And there were lots of paper everywhere. So it was completely different. So over the years with the advent of cloud accounting and connected apps, um, along with my business partner, we converted that to a 100% um, cloud um, practice that was fully automated and streamlined. And we use connected apps to make it easier for our customers to engage with us. So it's, it was a great, interesting journey. And where I've ended up now is in a really exciting spot for me. Um, and that's really about speaking, about training. I'm also an advocate for mental health for small business. And I sit there as a person that likes to share information about my journey, stories, things that I did well along the way, things that I fumbled and failed with and picked myself up. But certainly overall, the theme is around technology as an enabler, automation, the power of automation, and how valuable it is in if you're running a bookkeeping or accounting practice or if you're a small business owner, how important it is to engage and bring on that automation to, to make for a, a business that's more productive, more streamlined, and one you're really happy to go to every day. How did the automation of Cornerstone, what did it look like? I think you started with Zero, and I think you were a very early adopter of Zero. How did that early adoption come about? Um, well, it's quite interesting because if I look back now, 
to the practice, as I said, it was desktop software. It was manual. It was paperwork. It was sending stuff sometimes on site once a week to clients or it was chasing around collecting paperwork. A lot of things that a lot of people have experienced pre-cloud accounting. And, And there were three distinctive things I remember. One was in the practice we wanted better control and I felt with all the paper and the running around and the manual that we didn't really have complete control. The second part was there was an opportunity to be different. When Zero came along and provided a different way of operating, it gave a bookkeeping book, our bookkeeping practice an opportunity to be quite different because this was a new way. And remember back way back then people hadn't even heard of Zero, they hadn't heard of cloud accounting. So it relied on bookkeepers and accountants to start using it and then talk to their clients about it. So we wanted a difference. And the other thing is that, to be quite honest, my business partner and I had better things to do <laughs> with our time rather than driving in cars and picking up paperwork and hoping we'll get what we need when we need. And then the staff were kind of, okay, maybe did have it, didn't have it um, at the right time to do the job on time. So it was quite defining there. And and that journey took quite a while because people didn't know about Zero. There weren't that many connected apps. But over time, we were consistent and we were persistent. And the very first thing we did was change our practice. We moved to Zero, And then when connected apps such as Receipt Bank came along, we used them. And I think that's probably the most important thing that we learned along the way, that we had to sit and use those software in our practice before we were able to sell and talk to our customers about it. Hmm. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Now everybody, of course, knows that zero is what it is. But at the very start, there would have been many different, or or let me ask differently, was zero actually the very first accounting software to the cloud? Or were there others as well? And you were just lucky that you picked zero. At the time, I, there were... There were a cut, one other, I think, uh, uh, Sasu. Um, I think it's called. Was called yes. Sasu. Yes, yes, I heard of Sasu. Yeah. <laughs> Sasu. Um, they were either around the same time, or might have. Pardon me if I got it wrong, but from a timeline, they might have been a little earlier. So there were were those two players that believe came into the market. And so was it just for the lack of the draw that you picked Zero and not Sasu? Because I don't even know whether Sasu is still around, but I I do remember having heard of it already four or five. Years ago, was it just the luck of the draw that you picked the the winner, so to speak, or could you already <laughs> see, or you know, were there really clear signs that zero would go far? I think there's a couple of things. I do remember that we trialed both products. I believe, and probably it's the res- we've seen the result now. Zero started doing a great marketing campaign early on, and they were talking about beautiful accounting. And I think one of the things I always remember moving and trialing zero was the intuitiveness and easy navigation. And that was in a lot of ways for business owners, in my view, and from what I experienced, um, a lot easier than the the other software that they'd had in the past. And so I think we were trialing both, but we seemed to get onto the zero and focus on zero a lot more. And I, I do remember, though, that we made a decision to move our practice to zero. And that was probably the defining time that we knew we had to stick with zero because it was a little hard to kind of go with zero and then at that stage then try and sell in something different 
because I remember I, I come from a sales background and I remember some of the conversations initially with some of our clients when I was talking about um, moving to cloud accounting and how we could do things differently for them and have bank fees and all this sort of stuff that people hadn't really heard much about. And the first question they said was, what are you using in your practice? And I'll never forget that because we had to lead by example. Yeah, and that's very powerful if you say, yes, we are already using Zero, and it works really well for us. Yeah, ab absolutely. And following on from that, when Connected Apps came along and we were a very, very early adopter of Receipt Bank, the same applied. Are you using it yourself? Yes, we are. Yes, I am. I've got it on my phone and I refer to it and I'm sending receipts and invoices to it every day. That's in the case of um, Receipt Bank. So the the discussion and the the pitch or the sales or whatever you want to call with the client um, was made slightly easier by walking the talk. I find it quite impressive that both times you picked the winner very early on. You went with Zero and not Sasu and you went with Receipt Bank and not one of the many other receipt applications that are out there. Or was Receipt Bank relatively early and at that stage there wasn't really anything around other than Receipt Bank? No, there were other players other than Receipt Bank. I think in a lot of cases it comes down to often personal preference. So we trialed different products and then we chose the product that um, suited our practice the best or we had the best feel about it or, you know, once you start trialing it and you, you're sitting in the, um, in the software such as Xero, you're sitting in um, the app such as Receipt Bank, you'll get a feel for, for whether you like that software and how intuitive it is and how easy it is, remembering that we then had to ask our customers to use it. And we were, and by doing a test with a couple of products, then you can do some comparison. And, and the other thing that I will remember, and it um, was quite apparent with Zero, and we've seen it continue and with Receipt Bank, is the people in those businesses that we were talking to were incredibly passionate about the product and were eager to help us. So if you go back to, I want a better control, I wanted a difference, no better things to do, they were showing us that we could be different and we could do things differently and we could then share that joy with our customers and make it easier for them. So the people side of that was very important. Yes, but I think you get a much better people side from startups that are at the very start, like Zero and Receipt Bank were at that stage. I think when you connect with Zero and Receipt Bank now, you get a sales rep who probably doesn't have that passion as much as what you would have got when you connected with the very first, you know, early, early team? Uh, if we go back to the fact that um, I talk a lot about being um, coming from a sales background, I kind of understand the, the position people are in. And, and one of the things that I've always done in my, in any business I've been in is I always value the suppliers. And yes, those businesses are changing as they're growing and becoming larger. But if I think about If I think about both of those, um, back to when we started, the features that they had then versus now are completely, you know, they've got an immense amount of additional features. Yes, you get a more advanced product now. Oh, way, way more. Um, I do believe the people are still as passionate. I do. It is, they're different businesses. But uh, one of the things that we always did in our practice 
is if we were ever in a situation where we needed their help or, you know, that we might have, for example, we may not have connected with their uh, with their account managers for a while, I took it on as my responsibility to reach out as much as them. Um, and I think, and if I think about my customers I'll, uh, or anyone that has their own customers, you've got to also think about how are you engaging with them and Sometimes they'll come to you for, for different situations and you're quite happy with that. So you flip it around to your suppliers, often you need to go to your suppliers. So yes, those companies are different, but I still think the underlying passion and drive that they have for, for um, creating streamlined and doing better business and making it easier for everybody, I, I, th- I still think that that sits there underneath as one of their core values. I always thought of Zero as the software, the mothership, and then you connect the apps around it. But you probably could also argue that Zero is an app in itself. Yeah, I, I look at it, I think, as, I mean, our case, Zero is the um, platform, the single source of truth. Um, that That's the other power with um, cloud accounting software it is you can take a lot of information that was on spreadsheets and all over the place being recorded elsewhere and you and you bring it into what, I love talking about is one source of truth. So you take the zero platform and then you connect apps around it. If you like to call zero an app, um, I'm not sure whether they do or not. I don't think it really matters. But if the zero is the app platform, the single source of truth, and then the apps are um, added on to that. And what we've seen again is I remember back at the very beginning going to, I think it was um, ZeroCon in Auckland very many, many years ago early on. And their app marketplace was probably half a dozen app providers versus now you go to a ZeroCon, say, in Brisbane, and there are hundreds of them. And it's very powerful what they have, what has been created with those apps connecting onto your cloud accounting platform such as Xero. And the, and the thing about that is I think the, um, the apps are incredibly powerful tools to enhance your business and you choose them based on what enhancement you want to make is it around productivity is it around being streamlined is it around automation is it around getting rid of paper you know is it around being paid on time what what is it that you want to enhance in your business and is there an app that can um, help streamline and expedite that for you and make it easier not only for you but make it easier for your customers but i also think that is a huge challenge you know the number of apps that are out there it is confusing to work out which one is the best as such, which one is the best suited to what you want to achieve, which one is the best value for money because costs pile up very quickly. As you add app after app into your tech stack, the costs, the monthly recurring costs increase very quickly. And I think just choosing the right app, not even talking about implementation, but just choosing the right app is already a huge challenge. At least I find it a huge challenge. You know, how do you tell which app is better suited to your needs than another? Okay, yeah, that, that is a very interesting question. And I've seen a lot of people become incredibly overwhelmed by that exact point. Let, let's go to our personal phone. If you talk to anyone you ask to have a look at their phone, some people will have a few apps on there. Some of them will have pages and pages and pages. Um, I try to 
collate mine all together, but I often go through and I, I do a bit of a purge. I'm not used that at all, or I thought that was a good idea, um, and try and cleanse it down so that I have manageable um, number of screens and access the information on my phone for whatever it is, whether it's travel or personal or um, business or whatever it is, that makes it a little easier rather than, you know, just loading it full of um, full of apps that I don't use. So if you, if you then step into the business, um, in your business world, uh, I, I think there's probably two areas. One is I always um, like to talk to people about what's your what's your business plan for the year. So what's what's your overall plan? How are you going to grow your business and what are you going to do? And and sometimes if you're standing back and thinking about what's going to be different in your business in the next year, um, then you can move into thinking about what software or apps or tools that are going to help you do that. So flip it around the other way and think about your business. Think about where, what are the key drivers over the next year and what are you going to do differently. And then if you've chosen some different apps or um, for that, then what's the strategy around each of those apps? So I'll give you a good example. Um, when I had my practice, I had a um, customer service manager. Her name was Emily. Um, one, of the, one of the most um, wonderful people I've worked with in a very long time, and she's a millennial. So we we got on incredibly well, but I used to go to Zerocon or um, roadshows or read on tech magazines about lots of different tech apps that you could use in your business. And I would then write, to, you know, go to her and say, oh, let's try this, let's try this. And, and she said something to me that I'll never forget. One day she said to me, Tim, stop. We can't do this anymore. You keep coming along and you kind of like throw into the middle another app or something different to try and all that. And she said, it's just too overwhelming. And yes, that might all add, might all add some value, but we really got to think about what it's actually really going to do. So that was quite defining for me because it kind of pulled me up and I went, oh, she's absolutely spot on. And it comes down to what I would like to talk to people about, and I, I really learned this from Emily. What's the strategy? If you have a strategy around that. So is it – so a good example is um, we used to coin you know, invoice quicker, get paid faster. I want to get paid faster. So if in your plan for the year you want to – decrease your accounts receivable, you want to have all your customers pay on time. So the strategy around that is there's definitely apps that will do that. So what's the strategy around around that? Is it direct debit? Is it on time? Is it just that they can click now? How, well, what's your strategy? Do you want to gather payments on their behalf? Do you want to wait still to them for them to pay, but you give them credit card options or or then they pay from uh, from the bank. You want to give them a pay now button on your invoice. Well, you know what? What's the strategy? And then once you go about that, you find in the marketplace the apps that you believe will help you with that strategy, and then you trial it. And going back to like Receipt Bank and Zero, you trial it in your practice, and you give it a go, and you work out whether they deliver or not. And you might have to trial a couple of them, but you spend time doing that. Because the power in doing that is if you've taken time to do that, yes, it takes time. You know, someone in the business, yourself or someone else has to trial it, set it up, give it a go, you know, plug in your details, plug it into, say, zero or whatever it is. But you And then you often realize that it doesn't do what you wanted it to do. <laughs> yeah. So part of the strategy in the trial is that you go, okay, well, I discount all of that. 
and you might end up with one or two and then it'll be sometimes back personal personal preference you know how's it going to impact the customer you know is there is it a credit card option that um, the fees are too high on it or you know is the direct debit so for example I use go cardless it seamlessly um, works with zero that's going to work for me it's easy for the customer to sign up you know what's your strategy trial them then implement and review and and remember that it the, the review is ongoing because you need to check if they have new features or how it's operating you need to check in with your customers so there's a real strategy around it. it's not just like oh let's grab this and you know chuck it in my business or you know hope that the customer will like it so let's just tell them to do it without doing a lot of this background work it takes time but it saves you time. Yes, and I like your comment that it's ongoing. I mean, it's like life. You're never there. You know, you you implement the app, but then you can't, need to constantly review it, see whether there are new features that might help you, see whether there is now a better solution in the market that might work even better or more cost-effective. One is probably never done with the whole automation process. Yeah, and the other um, aspect of that is... You're quite right. Once it's in place, it might be exactly what you need for the next two, three years, or it might be that a different provider comes and provides you with something more powerful with different features that you would need to change. But everything, every time you change or every time you make a different decision, it costs your business money. So that's why you've got to spend some time up front and getting it sorted. And I would encourage everybody to have a clear strategy. And also the have what are my core apps and what are my secondary apps because everything doesn't have the same importance and and we would look at it in terms of that so that then you know for us getting paid on time or going paperless or happier employees or whatever the key plan and strategy in your business is would in our case drove where the initial focus was and then there might be some secondary apps that you may know a bit about. Inventory is potentially one that you might not use for all your clients, but you have a little bit of knowledge on, but you don't spend a lot of time on or you engage an implementer if and when you need it. So, so I think it's important to kind of um, look at it in tiers. When we talk about accounting and tax practices, the first tier would be the accounting software, be it zero, be it NYOB, be it class or BGL for SMSF, whatever it is, your accounting software, then possibly also a CIM? Yeah, I think, well, it depends on the um, accounting practice will be um, different because I'll be doing different things to a bookkeeping practice. Um, if you're a small business owner in, um, say, um, the marketing or public relations will be different than if you're in construction. Um, you really need to find what are the core what are the core pillars in your business that you need to deal with to make sure the business is running? So one of them is finance. So we've talked about, you know, your um, zero platform um, and you might have some connected apps such as uh, Receipt Bank or Payment Gateway. So there might be two or three others there depending on how you work it up. Um, uh, you talked, I think we talked a little bit before about um, uh, setting up a new customer. So you might... Um, onboarding, there'll be some work around that in terms of, you know, your letters of engagement and how they're signed. So so there's the, you know, the finance pillar, there's the onboarding pillar, there's the um, your people. So how are you engaging with your people in terms of contracts? 
Um, a lot of that is online now, makes it a lot easier. Um, then you've got what I you know, refer to as communication. So how are your customers communicating with you? And there's some powerful ways, um, different ways to do that now. So for example, um, yes, everybody uses email, but we used Help Scout um, to funnel and manage all those emails and ticket them and allocate them to the right people. Um, you know, Zendesk is a similar, similar product, product. So there's a communication piece. A lot of people internally um, like to use um, products such as Slack or Trello um, to communicate and share information internally. Millennials love um, using products other than um, email, from what I've found, because they, they like to engage differently. They've been brought up in a different world than certainly I was, and I love that. I think it's great. And then, you know, there's your um, CRM is a great thing. So what are you doing about marketing? Do you need a, a sophisticated CRM? What are you doing in terms of or and sales? So marketing and sales with your CRM. What's your practice management software? You know, there's there are different pillars for different industries and you need to look at each of those. And it, it's different now. And it's and it's incredibly powerful from, a, you know, production and workflow. We used Asana. So there's, there's lots of options out there. And yes, it's a bit overwhelming, but you've got to go back to your, what I said before, go back to your strategy. And some of them are easier than others. Automating some of your business processes, where do you start? I assume that you probably start with the source that is going to be your single source of truth which is probably your accounting software? That's a really good question. I spent many years working in corporate for large blue chip companies. And the interesting thing I learned in those environments was when they went to automate a process, a manual process, which is kind of what you're talking about, going from manual to automated. So... For example, moving on to zero, bank feeds are automated. Um, you know, there are all sorts of things around payroll. So when you're moving that, you really, what I learned was you really need to have that manual process clearly defined. Because if you try to automate something you're not really sure about, you won't get the outcome you desire. And I think in some cases, that's where a lot of the frustration comes from in terms of setting up and implementing apps and things like that because in some cases people are going yes that that automation is great but they're not 100% sure of the steps they've got now and how which bit that's going to replace and it's really important if it's manual and it's clearly defined and documented the opportunity of success when you automate is far greater so one of the things at the beginning was when we were moving to products like Zero, when we were moving to connected apps such as Receipt Bank, we needed we had to be really clear about what our process was now before we automated it. Because the other side of it is that you're then going to go to your customer and say, guess what, we're doing things a little differently. And they'll go, well, I'm not really sure what we're doing before other than you come and got a box of paper. So if you're not clear about how the new process will work and how you how they will use the technology to facilitate that, 
the wheels will fall off. And the other reason I say that is because we the wheels fell off on some instances. You know, we just we rushed a little bit and we tried to stuff and we thought, oh, they'll just get it. And the client didn't get it. And then it kind of went a bit haywire. So the best way is to look at your manual processes internally, find out what you're doing now, and then map that out and then work out the app or the technology, which bit is it going to replace? Because in some cases it won't replace all of it because humans will still be part of that. So I think it's really, really important. And we learned valuable, valuable lessons along the way. And I think they're probably the big aha moments we had. And your next question was around now, how do I how do I work with people now? Another really good question. So I'm working with a, a firm at the moment. Um, they want to implement some work so, workflow software. I know that software really well. When we talked about how I could add value in helping them, the decision we came to and what I believe is I know and have the thought leadership around it and I can help them with that. But if they then have their people internally be part of the process, once we've decided on we decide on the software, but once we decided on the manual process and then what we're going to then automate, if they then become part of the solution, then the end result will be they will be much more engaged with the software and they'll believe that it will add value to them. So for me, it's about, you know, rather than rushing off and doing it for them, how can I help lead, teach, inspire them to do understand the software and do it themselves so that then forever they will be able to update along the way, make changes because they will be completely au fait with the software and understand the process. So it's that, it's that thing where, you know, if you do something for somebody, the impact is can be fine, but if you teach somebody to do it, then often the impact will be greater because they will get a greater outcome from the task or the software or the solution in terms of the solution. It's better that the suite of apps is developed within the organization, within the practice, since they have to live with it. This approach is better than an outside person like a cloud integrator coming in and saying, you need this, this and that. Uh, okay, I'll answer that two ways. In certain cases, the cloud integrators have incredibly detailed knowledge about a sophisticated software. And there are a lot of sophisticated software out there that you need cloud integrators for because they know it all. I'm probably talking about a more simple app. So if you take Receipt Bank or GoCardless or some of those, you I wouldn't suggest, sorry, in my view, you don't need a cloud integrator for. You're better off understanding the product and the features itself and using it in your practice first and seeing if it delivers on the outcomes that you want. You know, cloud integrators certainly have a role to play because they are experts in software that's much more detailed. And probably some, I think before when I was talking about maybe a piece of software that you need implemented for your customer or you might be doing it for yourself and it would take an incredibly amount of time and effort and cost in your business to learn about that sophisticated software. I, I think it's, I think there's definitely a difference in my view. My final thoughts, Heidi, that everything that I speak about is the journey that I have been on in my 
businesses in the past, currently now with business partners without. So it's been the journey that I've been on and the experience that I have learned and I enjoy sharing that with other people. But what I always encourage other people to do is to take some of this information, distill it down and work out in their business for their type of personality, for their teams, distill it down and go on their journey and work out what that journey is for you in your practice because there will be similar things to what I've talked about, but there could be quite different ones as well because a small business, a bookkeeping practice, an accounting firm are different, made up from different people, different clients, you know, different pro, different internal processes. And I think it's important that people think in terms of that and then they take a bit of what they've heard from me and, you know, they might have heard something else at a roadshow and then they distill that down and they put their plan together, their strategy, and they go on their journey. Welcome back. So this was the first attempt to better understand the options we have. We are not done with apps and automation. There's a lot more to come from episode 162 onwards again. But over the next three episodes, we will go back to some tax and legal questions. We start in the next episode, episode 159, with the question of how a purchaser of a residential property can walk away from a signed sales contract in New South Wales. Rani Gender of Turnbull Hill Lawyers in Newcastle will give you the answer. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.